It's Indiana game week. Penn State takes on Indiana 7.30 at Beaver Stadium. Penn State football practices tonight. We will be there to give you our impressions of what's going on at practice with the Penn State Nittany Lions. I'm your host of the BWI Daily Edition. Thomas Frank Carr. That's Nate Bauer, senior editor. We're going to talk about what we're expecting tonight. We're going to talk about what we heard from James Franklin yesterday. And, of course, give you some previews of uh, Penn State and Indiana. Nate, I watched the film today, so I have a better idea of what Indiana is, and that is I don't really know. <laughs> ah, so Come on! Um, Let's we'll get to that in a minute. I'll explain what I mean. It's like not to say that I didn't know what I was watching, but it's just one of those situations where football can be a weird game and you can have one team one week and a completely different one the next week based on who you're playing. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. But Nate, you have some thoughts about yesterday in James Franklin's press conference. I think we're kind of on the same page about what we took away from James's interaction with the media. But just give me your impressions and, and what you thought about while James was answering questions during his Tuesday press conference. Yeah, um, he's he's. Uh... Tired of the circus, maybe, is, I, I don't know. Like, that's probably the wrong way to put it. And I, and I, it, you have to choose your words carefully in a situation like this because it's not like the questions weren't relevant. I think that they are. Um, but very clearly, he's got a juju kind of deal going on right now where it, look, keep your head down and plow ahead. Right. Like that's right. that is the fundamental subtext of everything that he said from even before the season. And like just in general, that's his his kind of mantra is just keep your head down, plow ahead, get better, make improvements. And so coming off of last week against Villanova, when he felt like their practices leading into that game and then the performances in the game uh, were not quite up to the standard that he was anticipating or, or expects um, to come back back then on Tuesday and be asked about last year's Indiana game and how much of a grudge factor there is in this year's game uh, to be asked about all the things that aren't on the football field that he's concerned with. Right. Totally, totally. And so like, you know, he's, he's, he's lamenting the fact that he feels like his players are being, patted on the back too much, right? Like, oh, they're reading press clippings and, you know, what have you, right? But everybody's telling them how great they are because they're the fourth-ranked team in the country. And you and I were talking about this earlier. Being the fourth-ranked team in the country, yeah, like that that means you're there, right? Right. And Penn State beat the teams that it needed to beat to get there, right? right? Like, you, you went on the road at Wisconsin, that's legit. Uh, you you beat Auburn at home. That's legit as yep. well. However, the path to number four from 22 to start the season uh, has been condensed into four weeks, three yep. weeks, really. Right? Yep. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So so this is a this is a program where everybody in front of it has kind of dropped off the map and dissipated. Uh, which is not to say that Penn State doesn't deserve to be ranked the fourth team in the country. I just think that the conversation would be very different if everyone in the top 10 had won, right? Right. Like if no, if no one had lost in the top 10, right. If, if Clemson doesn't have two losses, um, you know, if, if, if other teams that had started the season ranked in the top 10 had not fallen off so quickly, 
then Penn State wouldn't be at number four right now. And not only would Penn State not be at number four, but what we're talking about, right, which now is uh, people talking about the playoff. And and they're they're four weeks into the season. And James Franklin, like that, I I, I don't want to put words into his mouth, but you could see his head start to explode yesterday. Right. It's, it's, uh, it's the que- it's, it's the the questions are all about the distractions he's trying to eliminate and and right. to be and, asked right. about those things and yep. have that all be the focus and not be on Indiana uh you know for him and and truthfully the questions rarely are about the next opponent and and this yep. is mostly about your team, what'd you do last week? Your team going forward, your thoughts on X, Y, and Z of your team. Um, you know, because even on Tuesday, and as, as I said, like most of us haven't, if we watch the film, we haven't watched the film yet by Tuesday. We're still yeah. wrapping up everything from the week before. So it's it's rarely, but his, his you're right, your response, his response to, uh, I think, everything yesterday and his general demeanor was um, to kind of, be I don't want to say at odds but like to make a clear statement that it's not about any of those things it is really hard right now hard going to get everyone to focus and pull in the right direction because it has worked so far and it's easy it's human nature to let up when you've built up a lead it's easy it's human nature to let up and and that is something you can't do at any point during the football season and that success going to people's heads you know in the building is probably a real thing. And James talked about it uh, the previous week of basically that. It's hard to get everyone to focus and to be internally motivated at all times. So it is that was that was an interesting part of of yesterday. Aside from what he said, how he said, I texted you, I'm like, he doesn't seem like he's in a great mood today. <laughs> well, I think I think look, like you can't just look at it through the lens of this year. And you can't even look at it through the lens of just last year. This goes back to 2019 when they were in this spot. They were number four in the country. And they were 8-0 and they went out to uh, Minnesota and they lost that game. And he he gets it. He, He has lived through this. He under, he talked about uh, the opportunity that's at hand, right? And how to take advantage of the opportunity is by following the methodology and the path that they've taken to this point. And so what, what he's saying, like, look, like this, these are things that are out of his control. So he might want to control it, but he is saying not just to the media, but the media as a liaison to the broader public. Yeah. Hey, you talking about this constantly is taking your eye off the ball. And not only taking your eye off the ball, but it is an active distraction. It it creates an active distraction in what the program and what his mentality is in in what he he wants to happen, right? So, like, (laughs) I think without saying it, if James Franklin could have said in his press conference yesterday, hey, I want everyone who sees Sean Clifford this week to to say, hey, why'd you miss that checkdown on Saturday? <laughs> that he would choose that. Like right. that would be that would be his desire is to have everyone just take take a step back and knock these guys down a peg. 
Right. Um, because it's funny to me. I don't see that out of the players. Like I don't, and obviously I'm not, I don't have the same vantage point uh, as James Franklin, but at, at no point have I gotten the sense that these guys are even out of the woods psychologically from right. last year. But last it's about, it's about back. driving them in the right direction. Continue. This is, this is the same thing that we, we see from Nick Saban all the time. The, the king of how do you handle success and how do you drive players to think that they're, their bleep doesn't stink. Well, that is one of the ways is through the media, through this, through this particular conversation. That being yeah. said, you want to be fourth in the country. You want this position. This is the place you need to be going forward. And, and, and I, I imagine there's a certain amount of tension that comes with that as well of now that you're here, don't mess it up, which I think is what you're saying essentially yeah. like is, is, is the translation. Yeah. No. And, but, I think he would choose and they would choose to be 10th, 9th, 8th. You know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. <laughs> like progress through the season before you just pop in. And like, this is, uh, this so is an unfinished I, product. I, I Well, yes. Yes, it is. And by the way, if any, if, if, if James Franklin or any of the players have any need to uh, have some of those course-correcting conversations, just check out the comments section on any of the stuff that we do because it's it's one of two things. It's this team isn't the, this team can't run the ball. You have to run the ball, and if you can't, you're a fraud. Uh, and then if it's not that, then it's some other thing about, and we'll get into one of these conversations, or we already did this week, actually didn't choose this conversation uh, to talk about on the show today of, is Tariq Castrofield's going to be replaced because he's been okay? So there's always a question from some fan about why aren't you perfect? And if you need that, you can just check, let me know. I'll Blue, send you the messages. Illustrated. <laughs> yeah, that's a, subscribe. <laughs> that's a great point. Uh, I need to get that up so that we have that 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 ready to go. Um, but one thing that I want to know is, given all of that, how are you looking at at, at what you're expecting from practice tonight? Um, you know, a certain level of intensity that I think that we were asking about last week uh, is, you know, does it look like they're going through the motions? And look, like, let's not try to represent this as anything other than what it is. We, we go in for 20 minutes on the front end of practice when they're going through ball security drills, right? Right. Like Positional there is no, drills sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, in, in the past we had seen uh, occasionally ones V ones. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, typically at least the ones V scout, uh, right? Like we saw more, yeah. we saw more team periods rather than individual periods. Yeah. Uh, in the past. And so to see individual periods, um, you know, I, I think to me, and this is always the, the bellwether is how loudly are the coaches yelling at, the, <laughs> at their players, right? right. right? Like what's, right. what is the tenor of the conversation at this point? And uh, I'll be very interested to see that tonight to, to see exactly what that looks like, because not, not only did they not, meet that level of what he wanted last week. Right. So, I mean, they, they even said, Hey, Wednesday specifically was the day yeah. uh, that he had to kind of lay into them a little bit, but that's, that's the media day. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like that's, that's the media day. That's, that's the day that we're there. So, you know, they will 
have an active awareness, I would think, of what they're putting out there uh, when when we're there. And right. so the question is, what, what? How do they look? How do they look? What you know? What, what's the attention to detail? How 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 much are the coaches getting into these guys? Um, you know, and, and go from there. Uh, and speaking of, if you want to get Nate's reaction to what he sees tonight, bwi.rivals.com. You can visit bluewhiteillustrated.com for the latest Penn State football and recruiting news. Join us inside the Lions Den, where you get some premium forum access for more of the insider information. I was on there today answering a lot of questions about the run game. Again, well, uh, we're going to get to some of that today. The October issue is on newsstands and features Penn State's Freaks List, other exclusive content. Learn more at bluewhiteonline.com or by calling customer service at 800-421-7751. Or, of course, subscribe to our YouTube page so you get all the information and content here. Uh, that's youtube.com backslash bluewhiteillustrated. Or, as I've always said, just put in Blue White Illustrated anywhere into Google and you'll find us. So that's what I always do. In fact, that's how I ser- that's how I do research for like what have we talked about? I'll just Google Blue White Illustrated and see what we've talked about recently. You you got you got to tell them, T Frank. You got to hit the bell. Yes. The, for the notifications, and then you got to hit the like button, and then you've done your job for the day. Yes. Thank you, public. Yes, please. It. And by the way, I I am in a I am in a now as I say it out loud public competition with some of our. Uh, cousins and co-workers and we were we were just burying people in the month of September but the last couple days slowed down a little bit so guys tell your friends about the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel we're doing all kinds of crazy stuff here on the channel that nobody else is doing so if you want to support that make sure you tell your friends you like the videos you find random strangers you grab their phone and you hit subscribe on the YouTube channel that's how you help out that's how we keep doing this I, I got a question for you. I hate to I hate to pull us off of this train, but sure. you want to, you you touched on the running game. Mm-hmm. This is this is something that always fascinates me a little bit. What did you think about what Franklin said about the run game in terms of how truthful was he being that it is a cornucopia of small issues that all need right like it's not yeah it's not because we always just want to point our finger at one thing we want to right. say the offensive line right. running back right like whatever it is and you know he he always just takes this i think it's more forthcoming <laughs> than people give him credit for no like, it I think is he says oh yeah. no that's this is what it is is we're just we're we're not quite there but we're, we're pretty close and that's actually reality so here's a couple of narratives that have come out of the first part of the season so far that i don't think are particularly truthful but it's how people feel based on what they see on film first off uh it was an fbs offensive line playing an fcs offensive line and at times it looked like it you know on on saturday there were two or three yards down the field guys getting ass over tin cups pushed over by the penn state offensive line so it wasn't like penn state was unable to move people off the ball they got three yards of separation from the line of scrimmage at times. And some of that was Mike Miranda. That, again, is one of those narratives of Mike Miranda can't handle a nose guard in his face. He has struggled at times. And, again, give credit to Auburn. That nose tackle's really good. Fish McWilliams, the backup nose tackle for Auburn, is a five-year starter 
and is a guy that I've watched going back to my first years at PFF doing film analysis that he's a really good football player. Now, is he an NFL player? I, I don't know, but he is a gigantic human that knows how to play football very well. So sometimes you do just get beat by another guy, but he has Mike Miranda specifically hasn't been so terrible. And one of the questions that we keep getting, uh, you and I keep getting, is, is there anyone to step in? Can anyone take over? And it's not only the domino effect, but when James Franklin says, and the domino effect I'm meaning, you take one guy, you move him to this position, you take this guy, you move him to another position, you take another guy, you insert him here, what are the consequences of doing that? It's not just that, but it's uh, on a single play, maybe the tight end misses a block. Maybe uh, Rasheed Walker, who's been one of the best offensive linemen at making those highlight plays, maybe he misses a block on the second level, and it should have been a 15-yard gain, but then it's a four-yard gain because on a quarterback power, if you miss that block, that misses the seal for the hole, and Sean Clifford's not a guy that's going to break a tackle of a linebacker necessarily. Or maybe it's the fact that one guy specifically is not doing well in a particular scheme. And on the backside, he's not getting to his block on a consistent basis. But the rest of the offensive line is performing reasonably well at it. So yes, it's one little thing here. It's one little thing there. It's This is why the running game is such a frustration. And this is why the running game to me is like, you're, missing kind of, you're kind of missing the point of, it's hard for everybody to run the football. Even good running teams are traditionally getting four or five yards of carry. And if Penn State's getting nine from their bubble game, why should I care? And I understand that if you are good at running the football, that makes Penn State a perfect team, and then their offense is phenomenal. And then, yeah, you can say, then they can beat anybody in, in the nation. And like what we've talked about, is that reasonable to think right now? Are they the fourth team in the nation? I think there's so much left to be written in all these situations that it's unfair to then go to eleven on some of these conversations because it wasn't as bad as it seemed on Saturday. And it is a bunch of little things that add up to something that happens in the run game, not working. Yeah. It, totally. I mean, I, I have nothing to add to that because <laughs> I, that has, that is look, Noah Kane didn't play on Saturday. Right. Do, does that matter when your right. top running back doesn't play? And I, I get it. There's, the, the pushback to that is, oh, well, Noah Kane's not that great. I disagree. Right. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think Noah Kane is, I'm, I'm not saying whether he's great nationally. I'm saying, is he great against his peers at Penn State? And the fact that Penn State has decided that he deserves a two-to-one ratio of possessions to his peers. Now, again, like, has he taken the ball and run with it to the point where he is the unquestioned Number one, period, prime back? No. They, they they want to get those other guys some carries. There's no question about that. But he has done enough not just carrying the football. James Franklin brought this up yesterday. Catching the ball out of the backfield. Yes. Pass blocking. Right? Like, he, he has done enough in these other elements. Like, it's, it's just, it's always more than just following the ball. Yes. Which is what we all do. That's how I watch yeah. football is I follow the ball. People ask me how how the offense, right? Like, I didn't see that. I saw where the ball went, <laughs> at least live. Like, that's my, because, that's what I'm here for. That's, that's that what, is what you're here for. Yeah. Well, but what I, what I don't understand is <laughs> how do you watch, how do you watch the cornerback, right? Like, 
on a run play if <laughs> right i just i it's, can't no it it literally is impossible to watch football uh and understand everything that's happening on the first run through like you know uh, so just as a Thank as an you. an insight an insight and you can watch one thing or the other and this is where this is here's a tip if you want to know what's happening watch the offensive line first the offensive and defensive line first at the snap and that'll give you a good indication of where to take your eyes next so let me give you an example um if it's a run play and and this is where RPO is hard for linebackers. The offensive line is run blocking on every single play that's an RPO or a run play. Unless it's a called pass play, they are only run blocking. So then you watch the, the offensive line. Then you go to the quarterback exchange. After that, you have to immediately shift your eyes to the secondary. And that's when you look at the linebackers, and that's where you look at... And your peripheral vision has to be really good when you're doing all this stuff. But I'm blind. I can't see <laughs> Well, you're watching it live, too. So the, the advantage you have at the stadium is watch the secondary. So if you do want to... You may miss some of these, these run plays, but watch the secondary. How many safeties are deep? One or two? Where are the corners positioned? That'll tell you what the defense is trying to do on the coverage side, which will then indicate sometimes if it's going to be a run or a pass. This is all what the quarterback is looking at pre-snap. So if your head is spinning... Two and a half seconds. In, yeah, well, you get the 15 seconds and then the one second afterwards to confirm or deny. So it is, that's how hard it is to play football, is you've got to understand all of that stuff and to have your landmarks immediately ready to your vision and make sure... And this is a thing that this will get into an Indiana preview. This is what Indiana's really good at, is they'll have two safeties deep, and all of a sudden, it's not that coverage. It's not in that coverage family. It's something totally foreign. And that's something that you're going to have to, if you're Sean Clifford, make sure you're aware of. If that safety's creeping down pre-snap, does that mean it's changing the coverage scheme? And, and this is where if you, if you get in tune with some of this stuff, you can kind of anticipate what's happening. I'll, I'll be watching football and I'll be like, interception. Just because of the way the quarterback is, is acting in the, in the area he's throwing the football. And he'll throw a near interception. It may not be intercepted, but a guy will make a play on the ball. That's what your quarterback has to be looking at. And if he gets fooled, that's when the, be the big plays happen. And to me, this is leading into the conversation about Michael Penix. Is that um, that's an area that he's been struggling with so far this season uh i you know what what are your general opinions on michael Penix last year and what you are thinking about going into this game considering what you've seen from him just in general throughout his career yeah, i mean look like i don't think that there's any question that penn state will approach that particularly with the way that penn state has been creating takeaways that that's they're gonna they're gonna want to feast on that they're yeah. going to want to confuse him and you know throw different things at him get pressure on him in the pocket and um you know while not letting him break contain and you know pick up a bunch of yards on the ground um but yeah create create some interceptions and i mean it, it would seem to me um obviously he's had i, I ran the numbers yesterday what, what did he have Three interceptions. He's thrown six interceptions, right? And two of yeah. them have been, or all of, he's thrown three and three, right? Like he's had two games without an interception and yep. two games with three interceptions. Yeah. I think State it's, wants, I, I think it was, it was 
I think he's thrown seven, or he's thrown the ball. He's had seven opportunities. There was a dropped interception at one point, so he could have thrown four in okay. the uh, in the um, uh, Cincinnati game. I think there was okay. a dropped interception there. Okay, and he's been and he's been sacked seven times uh, yeah. in four games. So now, I mean, I look like I would think that Penn State defensively, given how it has played so far this season, would be. Um, excited about the opportunity. Yeah. Excited about the the chance to create those types of plays in this game. Yeah. So this is going to be, and I, this will be our first question today. Uh, this comes from our friend on Twitter, Beaverman72, our favorite amp- anthropomorphic beaver, who is uh, yeah. he he's sitting in section EE at Beaver Stadium right now. Um. He asks, will Indiana be the first time this season that the defensive backs are actually tested vertically? How important will be the edge rushers to contain Michael Penix in the pocket? This is a super fascinating question. And when I said, what do I know about Indiana is I don't really know. It depends on what Penn State does in the game plan. So that whole conversation we just had about where are the safeties? What it, what are you doing to try and confuse the quarterback? What are What's your defensive game plan? Because there have been two so far in Power 5 games against against Michael Penix. Uh, Iowa played Iowa. They just played their brand of football. They played zone coverage. They made them uh, afraid of the defensive line and some timely run blitzes and then made Michael Penix throw the ball underneath. So if that's the case, then no. Uh, Because Penn State can operate a similar game plan to Iowa in that sense. But Cincinnati ran a lot of cover one. They ran a lot of man coverage. Guys nose-to-nose with receivers trying to take away, as James Franklin described at one time, trying to take away everything. You're going to stack the box. You're going to play one-on-one outside. And if you have the athletes to do that, you can make a team ineffective on offense completely. So if Penn State decides like they did against Villanova to run cover one, yes, they will be tested deep. They will have opportunities down the field to make plays both for the offense and the defense. But if if Penn State plays coverage and they try to dominate the game by taking away the line of scrimmage with just four, then it's going to be all about Brandon Smith and Peyton Hendershot. So to me, that's really the interesting thing is what does Penn State think their best advantage is? Do they think which way do they think they can dominate this game? Because I think the Penn State defense can dominate one of either way, but it's up to Brent Pry to decide. And and what type of game is it going to be for Penn State's offense? Like what, right. What what's a reasonable expectation for for points uh, against an Indiana defense that so far, confirm or not, against the film has not played the pass all that well, uh, which yeah. right now seems to be the strength of of this Penn State offense. Um, so it's you know. just, it's always the same thing. When you watch a good football team, they always look better than they are athletically. And and Indiana's a good coached football team. Uh, you know you know the names at this point. Micah McFadden, a great linebacker. Taiwan Mullen, a great corner. Outside of that, there are plays to be made against this secondary. And there are plays to be made against the defensive line, who, again, tough, well-disciplined, smart football players that don't make mistakes. So they're going to get some plays. But athletically, you can have them. Like there are plays to be made where they are out of position or you're just bigger, faster, stronger. So yeah. that's, that's the tough read for me uh, for Penn state and the offensive line that has been up and down. Are they going to have the up or the down this week? I, I understand too, that there's not a direct correlation or carryover from one year to the next, but I'm going to make an assumption here and say that things are probably not all that far. Like people forget Penn state, 
dominated yards in that game last yeah. year. Like two to one, right? I mean, four, yeah. four something to two something. Um, and so like moving the ball even last year was not an issue. I would anticipate that that would be something similar uh, to carry over to this year is, and and particularly in chunk plays. I mean, they, they, they had explosive plays all day yeah. uh, last, last season. So John Dotson and, and some of these elements for Penn state are better this year than they were last year. Yeah. You, I would think that, that some of these guys are going to be able to, um, you know, uh, score not only score but score in bunches yeah so part of the narrative too is it was the very first game it was like spring practice for Penn State last year and you know so this is always one of those things where if you're a quarterback you hear sometimes quarterbacks they'll make a throw that they would never make in a game during practice to see what happens to see like can I fit that ball in there if I'm late on this throw how bad is it Sean Clifford was throwing the ball directly to the other team last year. Like, I'm not exaggerating. That Like, I see to my film review from last year, it's still up, bwi.rivals.com. They, they were just standing there. Yeah. He wanted to get them involved. <laughs> the, so it, his first game in a new offense, that is not the case this year. This is the fifth game in this new offense, and one that he's operating much more effectively than he did the one last year. So I think you're right. Um, to me, it just will become, and this is one of those things where Tom Allen is a good defensive coordinator. Does the scheme and the system frustrate Mike Yurcich's system enough that uh, it can keep the game close? My my thought is no. Uh, I think Penn State has shown too many answers so far this season that Mike Yurcich and, and his in-game adjustments have been phenomenal. It's not waiting to halftime. It's not having to do, uh, you know, a, a conference to kind of figure out what you want to do. He can see it, and he sees it develop, and he fixes on the fly. So those are things that I think are a huge advantage for Penn State, and something you've talked about before, If and this is a really important thing. Sean Clifford is a fifth-year senior. He's got a lot of time to watch film, and maybe the things he didn't see last year, he can see this year. So that's a huge, that's a huge advantage for Penn State. Uh, and on the flip side, Michael Penix, even last year, he threw a lot of, you're really going to throw that? Footballs. The difference is, and I think the ACL is still a problem for him this year. So he's a left-handed quarterback. And he's throwing his plant foot. So his front foot, when he delivers the football, is the torn ACL. It's the second time he's torn it. So I think there's a bit of hesitancy. And there's a bit of um, accuracy issues that he maybe was getting lucky with last year or he was developing to be one of those guys that could fit the ball into tight windows down the field last year. That has regressed. There, there's no doubt about it. And I don't know if it's a, if it's a physical stability issue. I asked my strength and conditioning coach that uh, lives with me, my wife, if, if that would be an issue. And she said, from a strength perspective, he should be fine, but it's a stability issue, which would affect accuracy. So I don't know if that's the case, but... I don't know that you have to worry about him on the move. I don't think he's the same athlete he was after his third torn ACL. I don't know if you know this, T. Frank, but I'm an, a, a torn ACL survivor myself. Yes, tell me, please. My accuracy is not nearly the same as what it used to be based on my plant foot. It yeah. Just can't, can't fit the ball into the windows that I used to. Does it feel wobbly when you drive off your back foot? It does. It feels yeah. wobbly when I drive a car. <laughs> I'll say so. 
The thing, the, the, the thing, I guess the thing about Michael Penix that is kind of clouding this is he'll throw from literally any platform. So he will throw off his back foot, off his well, front foot, off the side of his foot. That's when you're like, oh, my God, you're throwing that? And then it's later, oh, my God, you made that? Michael Penix is in the quarterback takeover family of, uh, I don't, this is maybe way too down the rabbit hole, but uh, Sean Clifford's in that family as well. Uh, those two were together over the summer uh, for workouts. Um, Quincy, Quincy Avery, the... Uh, the flight school, uh, Sean McAvoy, like there's, there's a whole guru family down yeah. in Georgia. That, oh yes. Uh, yeah. And, and Quincy Avery's deal is, is just what you said, throwing from any platform, being able to, to move that. And, and, and but I, I would guess that your assessment of Sean Clifford this year is that he is not doing He's that. Not as doing much that. Or, yeah. <laughs> He's or throwing... having to do that. Right. Like, uh, so he's not, so he. He's been pressured, and he's been uh, moved off the spot. Now, there's some traditional mechanics of if you're running uh, and throwing, you want your hips pointed towards your target. You don't want to be throwing and do that sort of like sling motion where you're pointing your body this way and you're throwing this way. That's where you get the volatility and accuracy. That has improved for Clifford. He's been able to be more accurate and disciplined on the run. And he's not throwing off of his back foot since the since the first two weeks of the season. He's been much more disciplined about not trying to load up and throw off an uneven platform. Now, part of that is he's had better platforms. Like the last two weeks, he's had better platforms. He has not had to worry about that. Um, but the the accuracy off the back foot is just volatile, and that's that's part of it. Unless you're Aaron Rodgers or one of these guys that are the exception to the rule, you should probably follow the rules. Volatile um, means bad. No, it's so the the here's here's the thing. <laughs> Keandre Lambert Smith in in the Wisconsin game. Sean Clifford throws off his back foot a frozen rope 47 yards down the field, hits him in stride. Perfect. He throws off his back foot and overthrows Jahan Dotson. He then on his on, on a clean pocket underthrows Jahan Dotson because of what he did before. It just causes a variety in outcomes. And the point about being a quarterback and consistent is having a predictable outcome. When you throw the football, I want it to go here. And that is what being accurate is about. So it, it, it it's vo it is volatile. And sometimes you get great stuff, but more times than not, you need a receiver to make up for some inaccuracy issues. So yeah, if you want to say that's bad, then yes, but it's not always 100% bad. That's, I guess, the this difference. Is a, this is an education today, T. Frank. I love this. Well, I watched Great. a ton of film this morning, so that's all I've got on my brain. Like, <laughs> I don't have some of the softer sciences today to talk about. I'm glad you brought that to the to the, to the the uh, table for the first part of the show, because I've only got the hardwired stuff today. Uh, so here's a soft here's a soft science question, as I'm going to call it. Yeah, you, bring me back. Come on, man. Um, this is a question that we got, and uh, I will paraphrase it. And this, because this is a question that we've had several times so far this season. Franklin has said openly that they are not using the COVID year whatsoever. But if Sean Clifford plays this way, is there an opening for a sixth year for Sean Clifford? No. I agree. No. Nope. Hey, please expound. Please uh, give us so, the give us the the meander through the meadow answer because I think that the the journey here is worth it. Yeah. So uh, and and look, I was in the I was in the same boat or a little bit of the same boat 
uh, this summer. And that was, you know, something that I explored a little bit. And there are two, pers- well, three perspectives on this, two that are tied together and another one separately. Uh, the first and on its own is the NFL does not want a 25 year old quarterback. That's a rookie. Yep. Uh, bottom line. Uh, they don't, they don't want that. Um, and so if Sean Clifford has aspirations to play in the NFL, which uh, 99% of people walk-ons or scholarship in college football do have those aspirations. I'd say 70% of football fans in general want to play in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, right. no, I, Hell, I want to play in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, I missed my 25 window, but yeah. still hoping. Yep. Um, no, so like, so that's, that is a bottom line reality is... Yep. Uh, there is, he is 23 right now. If he stayed another season, he would be 24 for that season at Penn state and then have his 25th birthday in, uh, I believe it's July of, mm-hmm. but so before his first NFL training camp, he would turn 25 and he did, he's big, not even, he didn't even go to BYU to make that somewhat acceptable. Yeah, there was no mission. No, nope. no mission other than delivering a national championship to the Nittany lions. Yeah. Um, no, so it's it's a it's a non-starter uh, from that perspective, yep. and then the second avenue, which is to me more interesting and fun to talk about, is it was never it was a no-win proposition in the first place. Of one of two things could have happened for Sean Clifford this year: he could have been middling and mediocre and struggled with the same types of things that he did last year. Yep. In which case does Penn state want that quarterback back on its team yep. for a sixth season? And the answer to that is no, you, you want to move Right. I mean, I'm right. No, no hurt feelings here, but like, no, if that had played out that way, then Penn state, it would not be in Penn state's interest to uh, retain him or have him come back for a sixth season. Um, but then the counter to that is, oh, well, he plays really well. Well, if he plays really well, then yeah, of course Penn State wants him back. But he, there's no benefit for him to come yeah. back if he plays really well. Yep. And so the way that the season has gone this far, um, it, you know, like let's maybe tamp down the Heisman talk a little bit. But he's played well oh, enough Lord. and his numbers I haven't seen enough. that. <laughs> Luckily, I haven't seen that. <laughs> no, he's got odds now. He's he's on the big board. Okay. Um, yeah. No, I know. Be still, T. Frank's heart. Um, <laughs> he's played but, well for two weeks in a row, and I want to give him credit for that. And, you know. Hey, that's half the season. <laughs> right. Half. We, I, I've been saying this to my wife. I'm like, we're a quarter of the way through the season already. How about that? Yeah, yeah. We're a quarter of the way through the season. But it's still a quarter. It's not like we're not even halfway yet. So I agree completely with uh, it's a it's almost a binary situation of if he plays well, he's going to the NFL. If he doesn't play well, he's not playing at Penn State next year. And either way is a is an exit out the building. You would have to have some sort of like really weird situation for him to come back. And even then, I think if you're weighing the options, I don't know that Penn State would want to do that because it, it, no, it, it just it doesn't benefit the it doesn't benefit the life cycle of your program. Correct. And that's that's a part of it as well as and and this often comes up, not not just the COVID year, but just in general, people, um, you know, like to ask about. 60 years and it's not um it might not be what you expect but 
most of these guys don't want to be in college when they're 24. They just, yeah. right? Like you're ready to move on with your life. And so e- e- even guys who have had a couple of years of injury and when the, the, uh, the medical redshirt was, you know, a thing, uh, and mm-hmm. it still is a thing for some guys, right? It's just, it's exceedingly rare yeah. for not only for the program to want a guy like that back, um, that right. Like that's its own situation, but the players themselves don't want to, they don't want to do that. Like they don't, they don't want to stay in, in school. They would rather uh, pursue whatever avenues it is or Avenue uh, it is for them, it, whether it's the NFL or otherwise, that's that's typically how these things go. So, yeah, uh, it, get it, it out of your get it out of your mind, guys. It's nope. Yeah, and here's the other thing I want I, because it feels like whenever I get these questions, it's kind of a how do I do the mental gymnastics to get what I'm hoping for? You know, like what you're hoping for is that Penn State when they when they move on. If you're a fan, you're hoping that whatever quarterback next year is a viable championship level quarterback and you have no information about Taquan Roberson or Christian Veyu so then it's well what about Clifford how I've liked this how do I keep this going and somebody asked me what about name image and likeness Mm -hmm. and I looked it up quickly even if you're a so part of your salary is guaranteed your signing bonus is guaranteed in the NFL if you're a rookie beyond the second round and if you're a quarterback taken in the sixth or seventh round, Trace McSorley is a great example of he was on the roster for uh, the Baltimore Ravens for two years, and he's currently on the practice squad. So he's earning his his four years of guaranteed money and the practice squad money. His career earnings over those two years was almost a million dollars, $690,000 so far in the bank. Do you... Who's... No, there is not $690,000 next year to keep Sean Clifford out of the NFL. And that is a very specific situation with, Sean, with with a comparable player in a lot of ways to Trace McSorley. You're not finding that much money in name, image, and likeness on this level to keep somebody in college as a fifth-year player. That's just not yeah. going to happen. Yeah, I mean, look, like, don't knock the hustle. The ingenuity is... it's a great place to come from there are all kinds of oh things sure that we haven't thought of that uh are, you know are look like this is going to be a reality of college football moving forward is these conversations will actually happen they, yeah. it will be something worth exploring um and and in certain circumstances that might be the case but um just my my bedrock on this is 25 it's just yeah, you know, he doesn't want to be 25 when he goes to the NFL. He's gonna, he's already gonna be 24. Yeah, so um, that's nope. It's so great career. I I I, I want to I want to clarify. I'm not saying that the people who think that are silly, and it's not that it's a bad thought. My point is, this is where I catch myself of what's real and what is my wish. What is what I want to project on the world? Because I do this all the time of like, well, if this, this, and this happens, then this will happen. And, you know, professionally, personally, you know, in in things that you like, you know, I'm a Bills fan. If I think X, Y, and Z will happen, then I've done too much of that in my life and then realized, is that reality or is that just what I want to happen? So that's always, I just, whenever we have these conversations, I just want to point out to people, I'm not trying to to kill your buzz. 
I'm trying to prevent you from the the disappointment of your of what you are hoping for that has very little basis in reality. I don't want you getting too attached to that idea. That's all. That's all. I'm, I'm coming from a place of love. Everything I do comes from a place of love, including the run game conversation. It's it's college football. Embrace the change. Yeah. Embrace it. Because if you don't, it's just that's not how it works. Uh, this is the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Nate, any last thoughts before we wrap up today? Anything you're thinking about heading into the second half of this week? Uh yeah, no, it'll be it'll be good to get back to football because, because this this week has felt particularly uh, and in some ways created by James Franklin, right? Mm-hmm. Like in some ways, his post game comments on Saturday after Villanova led us down this path of being unfocused and undisciplined and right all of the extraneous conversation. Uh, and I, and you get it, you understand why he did that and what he wants to get out of it. But, um, yeah, more so than I would say than other weeks, uh, we're, we're, we've already reached the point where, uh, okay, uh, there, there's been enough talk. It, it's time to, uh, to actually see this team in action on the field. So looking forward to Saturday night. Well, speaking of more talk, the BWI Daily Edition coming back for two more days this week. Uh, yeah. We're st- we're still working on. I don't. I never want to promise anything too early, but we're working on getting an Indiana beat writer give some inside information into what's going on with them so far this season. And then, of course, on Friday, Ryan Snyder's best bets. Make sure you come back for that and recruiting news from the insider himself. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hit the notification button, and of course, subscribe to us on YouTube. We'll be back tomorrow.